Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, good morning Trinity, how are you doing this morning? Good to see everybody. You guys made it through the rain and the tornadoes and the pestilence and the disease and here you are. You made it. God bless you. That's right. Um, Sometimes we forget this, sometimes in life. Jesus never promised us that you wouldn't have any trouble. In fact, he told us the opposite. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Put that in your Christian greeting card. Merry Christmas. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He didn't promise us we wouldn't have trouble, but he did promise us his proximity. He would be with us until the end of the age. So I want to encourage you, if you're going through tough times, call out to him. Sometimes when we walk those bumpy roads, you know what they do? They give us a different facet of understanding of who God is to us. How many of you know that you don't know God, you know, Jehovah Rapha, God is your healer, until you're sick? You don't know God as Jehovah Jireh, your provider, unless you're in need. It's like a diamond, you know, as it catches the light. It's a different facet of who he is. So when you pray things like, Lord, I just want to know all about you, be careful. He may show you who he is in tough situations. It's not just Sundays and mountaintop experiences. Sometimes God walks you through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a beautiful thing. He's the God that's near. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. God is with you with his arms opened up because he loves you. You're his. I've been enjoying our series, Gifted. Have you guys been enjoying our series, Gifted? I didn't know if I'd be getting emails and stuff. So far, it's been pretty good. I haven't gotten any crazy emails yet, which is great. Not yet, but they're probably coming. I'm starting to realize this. The older I get, you know, the less I get affected by things like, like those emails. Because you realize, you know, as you get older, you should start to figure out a little bit about who you are and, and where you're heading. You know, life is different, you know, now than it was a long time ago. How many of you remember back in the day when things used to mess with you all the time? How many of you remember back in the day when you were a kid, how the world has changed since you were a kid? Black <laughs> ben believes that black and white was in existence until the year 2000, and then everything went to color. So if you were born before 2000, he believes you are dirt old. So we'll be beating up Ben after the service in the, in the atrium. I remember as a kid, you know, even parenting was different. You know, nowadays, and, you know, we did it too. When you have your kids, you, 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 you have everything planned out. They got healthy snacks. They're in safe areas and stuff like that. When I was a kid, we didn't have healthy snacks. We didn't have safe areas. You know what we had? Outside. That's what we had outside. Mom and dad would send us outside. We weren't allowed to come inside. I remember my mom saying, I'll see you when the, when the street lights come on, right? How many of you remember those days, right? We didn't have Capri Suns. You know what we had? A garden hose. Mm, what's your flavor? Mm, I like the plastic. Ooh, the green rubber really gets me on a 98-degree day. You got to let it run for like 20. Only the Lord knows what we ingested into our bodies, you know, that made us you know, strong. You know, and then, you know, we didn't have like all the cool toys. You know, kids have laser tag and all this credit. You know what we had? Our imagination. You know, that stick, it could be a gun. That rock could be a ball, right? It could be anything. We had all these, these crazy things, and it was like, it was different. I even remember riding bikes. You know, I, the greatest bike I ever got was this, it was a Schwinn five-speed with the, with the shifter on the, uh, on the bar. You remember that, Schwinn, with the banana seat? I even had a flag in the back. Don't know why, but I thought it was cool. 
And that thing was great. Who would put a shifter right in the middle? You know, let me take my hands off the handlebar so I could shift this thing into a tree. You know what I mean? We'd go out. We didn't have helmets. We didn't have pads. We didn't have any of that stuff. In fact, it was so nuts. I, I still remember this. One of the greatest presents I ever received from my, from my parents was um, they actually got me a little dirt bike uh, when I was a kid. I would have never given me a dirt bike, but they did. They, they had an auction. It, it, something was going on. My dad picked it up. In fact, this was, uh, this was I remember this is one of the ads for, for the little Rupp dirt, you know, the Rupp dirt bike. And it says this. Tired, wait, go back real quick. Go back. Tired of pedaling? Start riding. That's all you got to say to a kid. How many of you as a kid, you hate the pedal? How many of you as adults hate the pedal? Chip hates it so bad. He's got, what, what is yours called? It's an electric bike, so he can pedal down the hill, but he just rides up the hill. His exercise has gone off the charts. It's just incredible what he does. So I remember for my birthday one year, my dad, he got this little, this little rup dirt bike. There was no, there were no, you know, there was no clutch, no gears. There was just a throttle, baby. And I remember my status at, at, on the block went from like, you know, pretty close to the bottom to straight to the top because as the kids were pedaling, I was ripping past them on my rup little dirt bike. It was absolutely incredible. You pulled his little pull start, and I took that thing everywhere. I did all kinds of stuff with that. And I have no idea why my parents would give me such power. But they did, and it was absolutely incredible, and it was, it was cool. I, I remember, you know, uh, it used to take me forever to pedal to these places, but, but when you had that dirt bike with the throttle, the power, you'd get there in minutes, and I'd just wait there for my buddies. There's something about power that's interesting to us. When I think of power, I think of God's gifts. You see, Jesus, God gives us gifts, not just to grow in our own faith. But how how many of you know this? He gives you and he empowers you with gifts to also take care of the mission, to accelerate the mission. He gives you gifts for a reason. He doesn't just buy you gifts and get you gifts because he doesn't know what to get you for Christmas. Every gift that he gives you is done intentionally with design. This is what the gift of the Holy Spirit does in us and through us. Jesus promised us, the Holy Spirit, to not just transform us, but to empower us to change the world. This is what Acts 2, 17 and 18 says. And this is Peter, you know, this is on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes down. And people are like, what is going on? Because they'd never seen anything like this. This is Peter's address, and he connects it to Joel, and he says this. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Everybody say all. That word all in the Greek is panta, which means this, all. Not just the good ones. Did you notice that? Sometimes we interpret that through our lens. Oh, they're just the good people. He, gets, he pours it out on the, all flesh. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit in the last days is pouring himself out to activate something inside of all people. Why? Because we are all image bearers. And his heart is to activate those things in us, those eternal seeds that he talks about in Lamentations. Why? So that we could all come home. His heart is to bring us home. He says this, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Verse 18, even on my male servants and female servants. Let that settle in. Guys can do this, girls can do this. Guys can do, let that settle in. Who gets the Holy Spirit? Does one get Holy Spirit light and one get the full Holy Spirit? I'm sorry, you get the light version? No. In those days I'll pour my spirit out and they shall prophesy. 
So here's the question this morning. How does the gift of the Holy Spirit flow through us to expand the kingdom and to really impact our world? You know the church is designed to impact the world. How are we doing? You're a living stone in the church. You are the church. I am the church. We're designed not to be a thermometer, but to be a thermostat. Thermometers can take the temperature of things. Thermostats change the temperature. That's what you and I are called to do. How are we doing in the change the temperature of the world category? That's what we're designed to do. Today we're going to take a deep look into another step of the gifts. We talked about, you know, the fivefold ministry gifts. Today we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we look at this thing called the manifestation gifts. Now why do we call them the manifestation gifts? That Greek word for manifestation actually means this. It means to reveal, to make appear. So these are the gifts that God gave us supernaturally in 1 Corinthians 12 that shows the world through the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit, God's nature, which is good. How many of you know that God is good? Now, this is a challenge because there are a lot of people that have not been awakened to the gospel that, that, that don't understand that God is good. There are a lot of people that blame God for all the broken things in our world. In fact, can we just be real with each other? It's easy to sing the songs, to follow God, when everything is going according to our plan. You know, Natalie touched on it a little bit this morning. You know, God is writing our story. You know, we hand him the pen. You know, in your story, there are chapters that, um, that aren't the greatest things on the planet. There are chapters that, that bring pain. There are chapters of brokenness. There's chapters of disappointment. How many of you have ever had disappointment in your life? It's in those moments sometimes it's tough for us to understand that God is good. But the reality of all things is this. The closer you get to know him, the more you understand his heart and his nature. And it's good. So God reveals his nature through these gifts. These gifts are spiritual realities that the church has been gifted to, to introduce people to God, who he really is, not the institution of the church, but to God, and also to expand the kingdom. The manifestation gifts are when God decides to engage the world in supernatural ways. Do you know that God called the church to be supernatural? We were designed to function supernaturally, not just in practical ways. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Now that Greek word for, you guys know I'm a, I'm a word nerd. That Greek word for power is dunamis. You know what the definition of that is in the Greek? Miraculous power, might, and strength. With the emphasis on miraculous. If you can do it in your own strength, it's not dunamis. It's just not. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. Does your faith have an element of power to it? If it doesn't, it's not part of the kingdom. God wants to empower you to change the world. Guys, because here's the reality. At times, at some point, our words are not enough. Our reasoning is not enough. We don't change human hearts because we're smarter than people. We don't change human hearts because we're funnier than people, because we're nicer. There's something dripping with all of our words. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a house of miracles. We're a house of impossibilities. That's what God's talking about through all this. 
We know this, that God wants to engage our world in powerful ways. He wants to expand the kingdom in powerful ways. So here, we are, what's the plan? How does God want to accomplish all this? Ready for this? He wants to show the world his love, power, and presence through you and through me. He's just looking for vessels, baby, and that's what we are. This is where the gifts come into play. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, what's funny to me is this, and I don't know how, many, how long you've been in church, but over the last month, we've been looking at, 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 at staple passages in the Bible. This didn't come out. This isn't like a new version. Hey, we got these extra verses now. This has been in the Bible, you know, for, for a long, long time, but we don't talk about them. Do you know why most churches don't talk about these gifts? We don't know what to say. And most of them aren't in operation. So what do you do with things that you're not comfortable with and you really don't know what to talk about with them? You just skip them over. Now, how many of you have ever had, you know, you, you've noticed in your marriage there's something wrong with your wife. It's like, it's like Star Wars. There's a disturbance in the force. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you ask, what's wrong? And they say, nothing. And you say, how are you? And they say, I'm fine. <laughs> when they say I'm fine, that's code word for what? She is not fine. Right? So what do we do as men? We do our best to, we don't poke the bear, do we? We, do, we avoid the situation as much as we can. Honey, would, would you like um, a diamond? You know, subtle, something very subtle. 1 Corinthians 12. So we have more meat and potatoes today, okay? It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Verse 6. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Now, this is important. Let me tell you why this is important. Sometimes in our head, we think that there are people that are more intergalactic than us. We think people, well, that person just has a different understanding of the Spirit than I do. That person has just got all that, and I don't have any of this. Now, don't get me wrong. God gives gifts however he wants to, but understand this. Two things to, to get with this. One, you are not a second-class citizen when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same spirit that operates in all the spiritual giants you see operates in you. Now, here's the flip side of that. You are not a spiritual giant. That means this. If God can use you, he can use anybody. So what do we do in the kingdom? What do we do in the church? We always look for what God is wanting to do through people. That's why we're an equipping church. It's more than just me, you know, Chip, Natalie, Ty, you know, Grace, the worship team, Tori. It's more than just what we do. This is something for, you know, there's something in, in the kingdom for all of us to do. All of us have a piece. All of us have a verse. All of us can play, baby. So get off the, get off the, the bench. Get into the game and play. That's what that means. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. The first manifestation gift is this. It's the words of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? It's the supernatural insight and inspiration that enables us to speak the right word in a difficult situation with the ability beyond our own natural wisdom. This is when God just touches your brain, he touches your heart, and he gives you divine strategies. Now, I think I'm looking at Angie right now. Angie's sitting there. Angie developed this thing called the blinger. Some of you girls have had the blinger stuff in your hair. Some of you guys had too, and I don't want to talk about that. The inspiration for that came in a dream. God gave her a dream about all that stuff. If you read her book, it's fascinating. 
There are sometimes God brings strategies and understanding to certain things just in the moment. That's a word of wisdom. This advice and this strategy he gives you helps you to deal with situations, difficult things, and it gives you insight into the kingdom. We need this gift, the operation of these words of wisdom. Some of you possess that gift. Some of you have been called wise beyond your years. Some of you just know what to do instinctively in those, in those moments. That's more than just your intellect and insight. That's a spiritual gift. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 6, talking about Stephen. Now, this is kind of cool. If you know anything about the story of, of, the, of the disciples and the apostles, you know, the apostles in the book of Acts, they are doing things that are getting overwhelmed by the response that they're getting. Since Peter gives that first address, 3,000 people get saved, and they're doing all kinds of stuff, and there's extra stress that's being put on the apostles. They're not just praying and teaching, but now they've got to feed people and do structure and stuff like that. And they said, this is nuts. Let's pray and let's just find some people that can come and do the practical parts of ministry. We need people to help wait on tables. We need people to sweep floors. We need all this practical muscle. By the way, we have practical muscle here at the church, and they are amazing. I don't know if you know this, every, every Sunday, you know, I get here around 7-ish, and there's usually three or four guys here already preparing the house for you, making your things smell, <laughs> smell great. Making sure there's toilet paper in the stalls. How many of you appreciate toilet paper in the stalls? It's one of those things. It's great until it's gone, and then, then oh, right? So Stephen was one of these guys. This is an account of Stephen. Acts 6, 8 says this. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some of the men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, uh, uh, and the province of Asia. Look at verse 10. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen had spoken. Nobody could stand. Well, it's, uh, what is that? It's a spiritual gift. God gives you insight to say the right things at the right time. Look at 1 Corinthians 12.8. And to another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. This is the second manifestation gift. These are called words of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? It's a supernatural revelation of things that are not previously known to the one receiving the word. The Holy Spirit brings this knowledge to the mind of a believer in the moment of need. If you're praying for somebody and you experience this, this is God when he gives you divine insight into the life of somebody that you're speaking with. Why? So you can destroy them and tear them down? No. So you can build them up. Give them life. This is how the Spirit operates. You know, there's tons of examples in the Scripture. I think of, you know, the example of, of Jesus when he was at the well talking to the woman there. And they have this beautiful conversation about, about water. And, you know, they're sitting there, and it's, it's a hot day. And, you know, he asks her for, you know, a cup of water. And this conversation ensues, and he starts to draw her in just like Jesus drew us in. And then he, you know, as they get closer, you know, you know she's like, I got to tell everybody about this. You know, I, he goes, go home and tell your husband. She goes, I don't have any husband. And he goes, you're right. You, you've had four, and the guy you're with right now, he's not your husband right now. And what does she do? Don't! Do you ever wonder in that passage why she didn't feel condemned when he said that? Did she feel condemned? Was that the end of the conversation? Why did God speak to her like that? Why did he operate like that with a word of wisdom? To remind her that he's the God that sees her. I see you. He didn't come down with a hammer of judgment. He came down with grace. 
And because of that interaction, her entire village was saved. Isn't that bananas? It's nuts. It's a word of wisdom. We see this in Samuel, chapter 10, verse 2. You know, as, as Samuel's getting ready to, uh, you know, to, to anoint the, uh, the next king of Israel, the first king of Israel, this young man Saul is set out on a task to find these donkeys that have left. And Samuel says this. He says, when you leave me today, you'll see two men beside Rachel's tomb in Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They'll tell you that the donkeys have been found, that your father has stopped worrying about them and is not worried about you. He's asking, have you seen my son? It's a word of wisdom or a, a, a word of knowledge that God gave Samuel. And guess what? As Saul poured out the rest of the story, the donkeys were exactly where he's supposed to be. I know what you're thinking. Well, Pastor TJ, that's great. Jesus can do it. It's in the Old Testament. But does it really happen still today? Yes. It happens quite often. If you allow the Holy Spirit to show you and if he can trust you with that information. I remember one day I was praying for a guy. He's back in Denver. And uh, this is one of those guys that came up to the altar every week to get prayer over the same thing, and he never got victory. Does that sound familiar? I was that guy. I got saved, I think, about 12 times before I got saved. Because how many of you know the 12th time's a charm? I remember we're praying, and, and he was getting frustrated because he couldn't get victory over alcohol. He struggled with alcohol just badly. Couldn't get victory over it. So one day we're praying at the altars again, and, and Bill comes back up, and we're laying our hands on Bill, and he smells like alcohol and stuff like that. And as we're praying for him, God speaks to me. He says, tell him the issue is with the box. And I'm like, okay, Lord, can you give me a little bit more info here? Are we talking about a cable box? Are we talking about, you know, the box for like a batter? What are we talking about? He goes, tell him the problem is with the box. It's time to get rid of the box. I looked at him. I said, Bill, you're going to think I'm nuts. He looked at me and goes, eh. I said, I feel like the Lord's telling me this. It's time to get rid of the box. The problem is with the box. I said, do you know anything about this box that I'm talking about? And his head goes right to the ground. And he goes, yes, sir. I said, Bill, what's in the box? Because you want to know, right? I, I want to know what's in the box. He says, well, I, I just can't break free from this alcohol stuff. He goes, and, but you know, he goes, alcohol is really expensive. He says, so what I've done, he goes, I put all my alcohol, all my hard liquor in this box that I keep under my bed. And my goal every day is to get up the next morning and to get rid of the box. He goes, but I never do because it's really expensive to get rid of this alcohol. So I think I'm going to try to sell it, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but I never do, and I just drink it, and then I put more stuff in the box. I said, Bill, I'm not a rocket scientist, but you may have freedom if you get rid of the box. You know what he did? He went home, poured out all the liquor down the drain, got rid of the box. God set him free. Now, again, I don't know why that box had a hold on him, but it did. So in that moment, God used a word of knowledge to deal with something in his life that needed to be taken out so that he could have freedom. Now, you want to hear something nuts? There's nothing intergalactic about me. If God can speak that to me, he can speak it to you. How often have you been praying with somebody and God puts something in your heart about what they're doing? Well, lift your hand if that's you. That's a supernatural gift. Step into it. Follow it. Understand this. You know, God wants to set people free. He wants to bring answers to our situations. Sometimes you are the answer that God has sent to people. Are you with me? Let's keep reading. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. 
The third manifestation gift is faith. The gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit to the believer in order that he might receive, believe God for mighty, miraculous works for things. Now know this. This is going to sound nuts. There are people that just possess a greater ability to believe for the impossible. I don't know why, but it's true. Sometimes as a believer, I used to feel weird, and I used to feel like, oh my gosh, I just don't have enough faith because, Lord, everybody seems like could see this, but I can't, and there's something wrong with me. Am I disconnected? Nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong with you. Now, sometimes, you know, you, you, could, you have to pray the prayer, Lord, help me in my unbelief. And God does that. He fills your sails, and he helps you. But sometimes, in order to punch through things, that you need to surround yourself with people that have a greater gift of faith. They have a greater measure, well, I don't know if it's a greater measure of faith, but they understand more about what this faith is, and there's a spiritual gift called faith. We all need faith. But there's a supernatural impartation that's just beyond human understanding. Have you ever met anybody like that, and they just believed, and you're like, I don't know how you can believe this, but because you're believing it, I think I can believe it, and we're just going to hang on together. You know what that is? That's the gift of faith. I remember... Um, when we did the first family fest, you know, trying to explain what family fest is to a congregation for the first time is exhausting. I mean, this is how this was this was my cell. We're gonna take all our money. Now we're in a in a crunch, but we're gonna take our money and instead of putting it on, on the inside of stuff, we're gonna pour it on our community in the middle of COVID. They've never seen it before. We don't even know if it's going to work. We don't even know if people are going to come outside anymore because we're all terrified. But we're going to take our money. We're going to invest in people. But this is how we're going to invest in them. We're going to invest in them with hot dogs, cotton candy. How many of you know cotton candy makes everything better? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Popcorn, bouncies, games. And you know, we're going to reach the heart of people with this, candy. And what did I say all the time? This is not a Christian alternative we're not going to dress everybody in bathrobes. Okay, you're Jonah, you're Noah, you're Moses. Right? <laughs> this is for the community. They can come however they want. We're, going to, we're, we're just going to ambush them with God's love, power, and presence. And I was like, are you with me? And it was like, cricket, cricket, cricket. And then what happens? We engage and we see it. And God does miraculous things. And now we're doing it. This is nuts. You ready for this? <laughs> So we opened registration up Monday. Before we opened it up to the public, we already had 30 registered. We opened it up Monday, and Amelia had another 250 registered. As of right now, now Family Fest is eight weeks away. We have 800 registered. 800, and it's two months away. What pushed it through that initial thing? Faith. Understanding. It's going to be fine. God's going to do incredible things. We see, again, an example of this in Acts chapter 9. This is beautiful. It's about Peter. It says, there he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Look at verse 34. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. Now, it's one thing to lay your hands on somebody and say, we're going to pray that you'd be healed. And then you stand back and you go, okay, let's see if it works. Right? But what does Peter say? Jesus Christ heals you, stand up and get your mat. How many of you know that that's a big dog step of faith right there, right? And what happens? And he was healed instantly. The whole population of Lydda, of Lydda and Sharon saw Annas walking out, and they turned to the Lord. Faith, greater measures of faith. 
Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 12, 9. And to someone else, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. Healing is a fun gift. It's a beautiful gift. I've always struggled with people, especially church people, that says, well, God doesn't really heal today. Because, you know, we don't have any sickness, right? We figured out sickness, right? How many of you take more pills every day than what's in a Pez dispenser? We haven't figured it out. We have pills for our body. We have pills for our mind. We have pills, you know, vitamins to keep us healthy. We haven't figured it out. We need healing still. The gifts of healing are manifested for supernatural healing of sickness and disease when there's no natural source or means. I remember uh, in Cuba, I was there a long time ago, 27 years ago, illegally. And I remember one of our outdoor meetings, they brought to us a girl who was gray. She was gray, and they carried her, like, like almost like a dead body, and they laid her before us. And I was, was there, and I said, what's wrong with this girl? And, and they said, basically, she has worms. It's one of the things that kills children there. Things that you treat your miniature schnauzer for kills children in Cuba. And they said, they said if God doesn't heal her, she, she won't make it through the night. So we gathered and we prayed. I'll tell you, I will never forget the sounds of the prayer from those Cubans that were there that day, understanding that this is life and death. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and they thanked everybody and didn't see anything. They picked her back up, and they walked her off. And I thought to myself, will tomorrow we be talking about a funeral, or will God do something miraculous? Next day, incredible. This little blonde girl was dancing, skipping up to us. It's the same girl. You couldn't even recognize her. God healed her in the night. And you know what's funny? To that Cuban church, you know what that was? It was Tuesday. God does this all the time. You know, doesn't he do this all the time for you? I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. The Wawa, we see it all the time. Sometimes you need healing after Taco Bell and the Wawa, right? We see examples of healing all through the Scriptures. Acts chapter 3, this is one of my most favorite stories. You know why it's one of my most favorite stories? This is Peter and John stepping out for the first time. Some of you need to step out for the first time and pray to see what God does. First time is always the toughest, man. And after you get through that first time, man, it's easy after this. It says this, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth uh, was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate Uh, The one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg for the people going into the temple. Verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Oh, baby, it's go time. What do you think was going through Peter's mind? You think Peter just waiting for this opportunity? I think he was nervous. You think he was like, okay, God, you know, I preached to 3,000 people yesterday. Everything was great. You know, let's just just take it up a notch. You know, who's that? Let's kick it up a notch. Verse 4, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Yeah, Peter does it again. He doesn't say you're healed and just wait. He commands him, get up and walk. This is beautiful. Verse 7, Peter then took the layman by the right hand and he helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. That is incredible. God heals the sick. It's still a part of our church today. He wants to heal people. 
How many of you in this room have experienced a divine healing before? You've seen God heal somebody or God's healed you? I remember the best story for healing I've ever experienced in my family. You know, it was a big deal for Greeks to come to Christ in this way because when you leave the Greek Orthodox Church, they tell you you leave your family. My Uncle John Sarandis, he was from Greece. And uh, my Aunt Goldie, was, she became a believer and she was going to these Catherine Coleman meetings. And my Uncle, my Uncle John didn't understand it. He was a little bodybuilder, Greek bodybuilder, but that big had a painting company. So he thought, you know, he didn't know what my, my Aunt Goldie was doing. So one day he decided to follow her to one of these Catherine Coleman meetings. So she sat about two or three rows from the front. He sat about 10 or 15 rows behind her. And he sat there and he watched and he said he saw things that just scared him to death. So he ran out a few times. He had a strong Greek bodybuilder and he came back in. And he says the thing, and he used to speak with broken English and he would tell the story all the time. And as he would tell the story, he, he would just weep. He says the way that he was, the thing that did it for me, he goes, there was a woman in front of me and she had a mangled arm. She had it close. He goes, and you could see it was deformed and it was mangled. He says, and in the meeting, God said, you know, was using the people, says, God is healing somebody right now. You've got some type of deformity. There are thousands of people. He goes, I sit there. He goes, and I watch the arm grow. He goes, I hear the pops. I hear the crunches. I hear it all. He goes, I see it all. I said, Uncle John, what'd you do then? He goes, I run. I run to the front. I said, Jesus, you're real. I, I see it. I see it. Shook the lady's hand. And we're not, we're not, this isn't manufactured things. This is the miraculous. God heals. He still heals. Give him the opportunity to heal. Pray for people. Don't, 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 don't skip back. Do you understand this? If God heals somebody, it's on him, not you. Pray. Give God the opportunity. He might surprise you. He may actually answer your prayer. Whoop, there it is. Right? Give him a shot. Let's keep reading. 1 Corinthians 12, 10. He has one person, the power to perform miracles. This is a fun one, too. That's our, our fifth manifestation gift. What is a miracle? A miracle can be defined as a supernatural intervention by God in the ordinary course of nature. These miracles come through the power of the Spirit. So when God just decides to, to turn things upside down and says, no, I'm going to kind of shift things. Instead of the, these natural laws, I'm going to do what I want in these instances. We see great examples of this in Scripture. Acts 6.8, again, we read this earlier about Stephen. says this, he was a man full of God's grace and power, performed many amazing miracles and signs among the people. Miracles still happen today. They're all around us. You just have to look for them. They are. I remember, um, and I've told the story. I'm not going to go into the entire story here. Um, there's times God just does things that just doesn't make sense. Um, Tyler was small. He was our first kid. He was the only kid we had. At that point, we had one child because we didn't want two. One's enough. He was about maybe three months old. This is, um, this is BT, life before Toby. We had more money then. <laughs> and there's always food in the fridge. But that's another, that's another thing. Um, we had this little Bronco too that we had, you know, we held it together with duct tape and like, you know, bailing wire. And I remember it was me, Robin, and Chrissy Champion was with us. She was one of the kids in our youth group. We lived in Pittsburgh on Bay Tree Street, and there was about 30 steps to go from the ground to the top where we lived in a row house. And uh, Tyler was asleep in the back in a car seat. Now, these are car seats that are built like in the 90s. 
which means you know now you have things you hit a button and things pop right out. This was you strap the car seat in with with the, with the seat belts. You remember those ones? I mean, the kids like they looked like mummies. You couldn't even you know seat belts were everywhere, so it was all in there and stuff like that. And I remember um, I was taking some groceries. We left Tyler in the back, and the car was running because uh, we didn't want to wake him up. Because how many you know you get that kid down, you want to wake him up, right? And I remember Robin screaming, the car's on fire. I looked down, and the bottom of the, of the Bronco 2, there was flames underneath it. And she goes, um, she goes well, what do I do? I said, Go call somebody. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. I remember running down there, and I went to the car. And, um, and I'm in there. I'm trying to get the seat out. But you've got to undo, like, all these things. And I'm like, I can't get this out. I can't get him unbuckled. And he's stuck in there. And I still remember this day. I looked over the front seat uh, where the driver thing is, and the whole hood was on fire. And I realized this in this moment, you know, if I don't get him out of here, we're both going to die in this car tonight. I'm not going to leave him. And I just remember going back there, and I gave it one more yank. And the seat came out, everything came out, and I got him out right as everything burst into flames. And it freaked me out. I was like, man, I remember that night, you know, the, the fire trucks are there, paramedics are there, all that stuff's crazy. And, and we're just holding him and stuff like that. And they get everything down, you know, they're, they're, they're hosing everything down. You know, everybody in the street's out there because that's just what happens when you're in the city. And I'm down there, and I'm talking with the firemen. And we're looking at, at, at all this, this melted stuff. And he goes, do you see that? And I go, the car that looks like, you know, an ashtray? Yeah, I see it. He goes, no. He goes, look at the seatbelt. I looked at the seatbelt. And all the belts were still connected. I said, I understand. He goes, how did you get that car seat out? He said, son, I'm in my 20s. He says, you know what you experienced tonight? He goes, A miracle. A miracle. He says, I don't know what you believe. He says, but if I were you, I'd believe in a higher power. And he walked away. He may have been a fireman. He may have been an angel. I don't know. But I know that that night I held Tyler a little bit tighter. And I thank God for what he'd done. Miracles all around us. I remember we had uh, one of our guys uh, in, in, in Illinois. He was, the, uh, he was a theological professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. He was a psychiatrist. You know, so he did all kind of stuff, and they decided one day to help out the community that they were going to give away turkeys for Thanksgiving. So he says, if anybody's in need, you know, just come get a turkey. So they bought like four turkeys, put them in their back freezer, said it should be more than enough for how we help out you know, people. He says, as they go to their, their store that day, there's a line of people waiting to get in to get a free turkey. He looks at his wife, he says, this could be dicey, this could be bad. Perhaps we didn't think this through. She goes, honey, what are we going to do? He says, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to be in the front, you're in the back. He goes, every time I call you for a turkey, you open that freezer, and you just keep giving me turkeys until the turkeys run out. So, bought four turkeys. That day they gave out 30 turkeys, all from the freezer in the back that they put four in. You know what that is? It's a miracle. Well, pastor, how did it happen? You ready for this? I don't know. It's not my job to know. It's my job to say thank you, Lord. He can still do that. He created Jupiter. How many of you know if he can handle Jupiter, he can handle a turkey? Which is why some of us are here today, right? <laughs> I kid, I kid. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 12.10. And another, he gives the ability to prophesy. Number six is prophecy. Prophecy is a supernatural word that's spoken on behalf of God through us to give us inspiration and direction from his spirit. Now, we learned a few weeks ago what the prophetic gift looks like. We did this little thing called encouraging words. How many of you were, took part in the encouraging words? How many of you enjoyed them and they, God really spoke to you through that? Lift your hand if that's you. Some of you are like, oh, am I going to tag me for something? No, we're not going to tag you for anything. 
We learned that the, whole, that, that, that the Holy Spirit, you know, he, he uses the gift of prophecy, and it's important in our church today. We also learned what the prophetic gift should be. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, but the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. We know that the gift of the prophetic was part of the early church. Acts 13.1-3 says this, among the prophets and teachers of the church in Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen, uh, the childhood companion of King Herod uh, Antipas, and Saul. Verse 2. One day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work which I have called them for. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid hands, their hands on them, and he sent them away. You know what that is? God spoke to them prophetically. I'm setting these two people apart. Get it done. God still does that today. He speaks prophetically in our life, sometimes to give us direction, sometimes to remind us who we are. It happens in our church all the time. I remember probably about a year and a half ago now, we're at the altars. I think it was a Sunday morning. It might have been a Sunday night. I don't know. And there was a young man up at the altars, and he was praying. And they were praying for this young man, and he was just like a stone. He knew he needed God, but there was something that was going on in his heart, and he couldn't, he couldn't get to him. So I think Ruan and a bunch of guys are over here praying for him. I just came up, put my hand on his shoulders, praying with everybody else to see the Lord to give him some freedom. And as we were praying, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, tell him right now that, you know what, the burden he carries for his father is not his burden. It's my burden, and to let that go. And my goodness is going to flow through him. And I'm like, yikes. Can I have a little bit more information, Lord? He's like, no. Okay, I guess we're going to do this then, huh? I get over there as we're talking, and and as, as, as we go over and we pray, I lay that out. I said, I just feel like the Lord's telling me this right now, that God, you know, there's this thing with your father. And God wants you to know that he loves your father more than you love your father. And you're carrying a burden that's not yours to carry. You need to let that go. And as we start talking, his lip starts to quiver. And the floodgate starts to happen, and God starts to soften his heart. And then the next part of that was God started to speak to me about his future. And I started to prophesy over him over his future. Sometimes, you know, God has to take things in us. There's a blockage or something there that's keeping us from stepping into God's promises and what he has for us. And once God deals with that, then it clears a path for what he wants us to do and who he wants us to be. It's our job as a church, as leaders, as elders, to lay hands on people and to prophesy over people, to help them to get into the lane that God has for them. It's in the Scriptures. Paul talks about how that happened with Timothy. He reminds you of Timothy. He says, Timothy, do you remember when the elders prophesied over you and they imparted that gift to you? When they laid hands on you, don't forget that because you need that because God's doing wonderful things in your life. How many of you know that we need that gift active in our church today? Right? Maybe we're not taking as much ground as we should be because we're not in alignment with what God wants us to do because we're not listening. You don't have to circle the mountain a hundred times. Listen for what God wants you to do and just do it. 1 Corinthians 12.10, we're almost done. He gives something else, uh, someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or another. Number seven is the gift of discernment. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which gives us supernatural insight into the spirit world. It shows you the spirit, the thing behinds, that's behind the person, the teaching, or the situation. This is an incredibly important gift, beloved, especially when the truth is hard to find. Does that sound like our world today? What's true? I don't know. I heard this on the TikTok. I heard this on the Facebook. 
You know what we need? We need discernment. The church needs discernment. Because we want to walk into the heart of God, not into these other things. Acts 16, 16 through 18, there's a great story about this. This is weird, but it's in the Bible, so we're just going to talk about it. One day as they were going down to a place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. Verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are the servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Was there anything bad about the message that the girl was saying? No. I mean, I didn't, I, in my head, I hear it almost like a parrot. These people are from God. They're going to get you saved. These people are from God. They're going to get you saved. They're, how many of you know sometimes people can do that and it becomes a distraction? Right? Verse 18. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Wow. Don't forget, beloved, as believers, we don't deal with people. People are not our enemy. The enemy is the thing behind the people. The enemy is the spirit realm, the dark realm. That's what we fight. We deal with the things behind the people. Ephesians 6, uh, 12 says this, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen realm, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing. That's what we deal with. The church is the only thing on the planet that can deal with the real problem. Darkness. Evil. Get on your knees. Pray. Push back the darkness. Be the church. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says this. So another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. Eight is speaking in tongues. Here we go. This is why we all came today, to learn about this. This is the single gift in all of the church body that freaks everybody out. Don't know why, freaks everybody out. Speaking in tongues, is the, in diverse tongues, is this public supernatural utterance in an unknown language. This is when somebody that has not known this language, God empowers them to speak in a language they don't know, this has nothing to do with linguistic ability or even intelligence. This is a work of the Spirit. Now, when it comes to tongues, there's a lot of confusion in the church today. People ask me all the time, why is tongues such a big deal? Why is it a thing? Why do we have to speak in tongues? Who made all this stuff happen like this? God. Why, did he, why does he require it? Ready for this? I don't know. I know this. I work for him. He doesn't work for me. I don't get to change the rules of the game because I don't like it or it makes me uncomfortable. You know what I do? I read the book. It's in there. It's like the spaghetti sauce. It's in there. Now, sometimes we, we get confusion when it comes to tongues because we forget the Bible shows us clearly there's two different types of tongues in the Bible. You have prayer tongues for your personal edification and empowerment. 1 Corinthians 14, 2-4 says this, For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others and encourages them and comforts them. Look at verse 4. This is huge. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks the word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So there is a personal gift of tongues. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
I don't know why he does it this way, but he does. The Bible says that some of you will speak in tongues. Paul said this. He goes, I pray that all of you would speak in tongues. Something happens when, you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you start to speak in tongues, there's a spirit-to-spirit communication that I cannot explain other than saying this. It's real. I've experienced it. I experience it every day, and it radically changed my life and my faith. I don't know what else to tell you. It's there. Now, there's another gift of tongues. This public tongues that needs to be interpreted. That's what we're reading about in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 1 Corinthians 4, 5. It says it goes down there. It says, I wish all of you could speak in tongues, or even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what's, what you are saying so that the whole, world, the whole uh, church will be strengthened. I've experienced this in churches before. I remember growing up in church. Again, I grew up Greek Orthodox, so this whole Pentecostal thing kind of freaked me out. Is anybody in that category? I remember the first time I walked in and somebody started speaking in tongues, and I'm like, whoop, where's the door? You know, what's after the tongues? Do the snakes come out? Time to get out of here. You know, and I remember I was in a, I was in a church service, and uh, this, this um, how do I say this in a very polite way? An older, stout, Caucasian woman started to speak in this language that freaked me out. And I'm like, what is going on? And it didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard before in my life. And it sounded just native. And I'm listening, and everything's frozen. The hair in the back of my head's up. I'm like, what is going on? How does TJ get out of this mess? All of a sudden, a lady on the other side of the church starts to interpret what this lady had just spoken. And that's not the crazy part. You ready for the crazy part? After she gets done, an African woman from Africa stands up and she says, this language is my language. And everything this lady said and this lady interpreted is exactly what was being said. And she says, and it's, it means this and it's for me. And she's freaking out. And it's like, I'm in like the, the, the triangle of doom. I'm like, what is going on here? We don't do this in the Greek church. Where's the baklava? I got to get out of here. Couldn't deny it. It was real. Why does God choose to do things like that way? I don't know. 1 Corinthians 12.10 says this, and this is the last one. While another is given the ability to interpret what's being said, the interpretation of tongues, this is a supernatural understanding of what's just been said in another language. We talked about it. In our public stuff, that's just the way that it works. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says this, and it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, that's important. Let me tell you why. There's no gift that's greater than any other gift. He's the one that gives you the gifts that you have, and they fit you perfectly. So flow in them. Don't desire every gift. Don't we have a tendency to want what the other people have? I cut my grass every week, and I have my neighbor who I really love very much. He's got great grass. And I spend a lot of my time, as I'm cutting my grass, thinking of ways that my grass could be like his grass. But it never is. You know why? He's retired. And he's just got all time to do that. This is how bad it is. I actually, because I'm cheap, and it was too cheap to aerate my grass, I bought shoes with spikes on them. Because you can aerate, you know what I did? And I talked Tori into walking all over my grass. So she's like, I don't understand why I'm supposed to do this. This is just crazy talking. I'm like, it's all for the cause. Harold's got great grass. Just do what you're told. 
Let me leave you with two things real quick. I know we're a little long, but it's okay. So how can we live lives that give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to use us in these ways? I can tell you this, guys. Once you start to plug into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, your faith is anything but boring. So how can we position ourselves so that the Holy Spirit can use us? Because we don't pursue the gifts. We pursue the giver, but, but again, we are yielded to, to God using us however he wants to. Two things I want to leave you with. First is this. Be open. Don't despise the gifts. Don't just throw them away. God may want to use you in miraculous ways. Not just so you can puff up your chest, so that you can reach people. Get them on the right path. Awaken their hearts. We're more than talk. We're power. Galatians 5.25 says this. Now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. Be open. Don't just sing the songs about being a house of miracles. Know that you're a living stone in the house. The second thing is this. Be obedient. What does that mean? When God says, step out. When God says, speak. When God says, give it a shot. Do it. Give God an opportunity to do something miraculous. The vessel isn't important. It's the posture of the vessel that's important. Be usable. Be open. 1 John 3.23 says this. So these are his commands, that we continually place our trust in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as he's commanded us. For all who obey his commands find their lives joined in union with him, and he lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that, is, that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the Spirit that he's given us. It's my heart that um, when people drive past our church, they don't just go, oh, what a pretty building. I want when people drive past our church, I want them to say, God is there. God is there. I went to a family fest a few years ago and God healed me of stage four cancer. We went into a Christmas service and God, you know, delivered me of, you know, years of alcohol abuse. I want us to be a house where people encounter God's presence because in his presence is transformation. Bow your heads. I want you to just take a minute. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit two things. Ask him this. Say, Lord, am I open to you? Am I open to your spirit and being used the way you want to use me? And then ask him, say, am I obedient to do what you asked me to do? Speak to him and listen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.